0: From the fifth quarter studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 915. I'm super excited today. We're going to talk i'm gonna I'm, I'm i'm actually a guest i'm on the other side of the mic for the lead change the podcast interview it's awesome i'll put the link down below i'm super excited to to be interviewed so you can hear a little bit and learn a little bit about coach collins on this interview um but before we jump to the, into that i'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors first of all dr dish the number one shooting machine on the market i'm excited to say that i think we're going to be buying our third one i super excited there's so many options it's it's like walking into a candy store. I didn't know which one to look at, but, um, mentioned coach unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. And I did that when I was buying mine too. Also go over and, uh, check out ttroops.com for coaches who want to get better prices are going up. Um, we got some great things on the mar- uh, on the side, and I'm going to tell you right now, um, prices are going to be in the mid to high forties by the, by the beginning of the summer. Um, or late spring, because we're just, we're adding so much content and we're just trying to keep it a personal community. So if you're thinking of jumping in and you still want that 14 day free trial, go over and check it out and let's head off to the podcast. Welcome to the
1: podcast leading change. I'm your host, Adam Christie. Today, we have a real treat for you. We have one of the most winningest coaches in Wisconsin high school basketball history. He has 14 consecutive conference championships, three state championships. His teams constantly are in the finals. Ladies and gentlemen, teaching at Madison, Wisconsin Memorial High School, Madison Memorial, please welcome Mr. Steve Collins. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you. I, I'm I'm glad you got I'm glad you got the notes from my mom. Those that that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, nice I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> um, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about your leadership journey? When did you know you wanted to be a coach?
0: Oh wow, that's a tough that's a great question. Um, so I do remember in fifth grade, Mrs. Wishmeyer. Um, writing an essay of why I wanted to be a teacher for the day. Um, and I won the contest. It was like for our fifth grade class. And then I got to, I don't know, i maybe I got to run recess or something. Um, so i am come from a teaching family. Um, so I knew early on that that was kind of going to be my angle. I, I had pivoted a couple times, maybe in high school and college, but always kind of got drawn back to it. Um, love the game, probably played basketball because my brother played basketball, to be honest with you um was always kind of following him around. He was a senior and I was a freshman. so it, you know, if he'd have been a hockey player, I'd probably would have been a hockey player. so I'm glad he picked basketball because it's a great sport. uh, but I think then, um you know had a had a pretty successful high school career, got to play collegiately um, and then I think at that point um you know i liked math i liked the you know right or wrong there's very few things in life that are right or wrong um and in math you you tend to know when you get it i i love my math homework because i knew it was done i knew it was right um and when you're writing you never quite i'm never quite satisfied i'm not a great writer but i'm never satisfied with it uh you know you always feel like you know i think i wrote a 130 page master's thesis um, it's sitting on my shelf and I'm, I probably could probably still go back and edit it. Um, cause I'm not probably a hundred percent happy with it, but it had to get turned in at some point. Mm-hmm. So I love that aspect of it and I'm a relatively competitive person. That's probably an understatement. Um, so I wanted, it was either business or it was probably run my own business like my brother does or, or coach or do something where there, where you could keep a score. Um, and as it's turned out, I've kind of ended up doing both. You know, I later in my career, my brother kind of got me going on some business things and 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 that has probably one of my exit plans. But um, when did I decide that? It was probably sophomore or junior year in college. Hmm. Um, I, I think I saw some of the strengths and weaknesses from my collegiate coach. Um, I had had great coaches starting with my father um, growing up and knew what an impact they could have on a person's life and um wasn't ready to hang the shoe I was ready to stop playing but wasn't ready to give up the game at that point so I think that's when um the leadership started and I got to I got to teach in a middle school student teaching in a middle school while I was playing my senior year in college and got to coach I wanna say it was seventh grade. It was either seventh or eighth grade like team helped my my um my practicum teacher kind of teach that and could saw first of all that anybody teaches middle school that should get like oh my gosh, should get a we should have a medal. They're heroes They can do that. But saw how little in, how what an impact I could have on those kids in such a small period of time. Um, I think that was probably the point at which I pivoted and went. Uh, this is something I think I could do, um, and, uh, and and I'm very happy for the most part. Pretty happy that that was a choice I made 30 plus years ago.
1: What would you say? How would you define a successful season?
0: That's a great question. Uh, so <laughs> I think personally, a successful season. So this has changed, and I'll be I'm going to be brutally honest this has changed. Um, I think in my twenties and thirties, I would have considered a successful season, you know, putting a ring on my hand or going to the state tournament or winning a conference championship. Um, but I think the saying is youth is wasted on the young. And I think at that point in my career, it was, it was about the end product rather than the process. And I think as I've gotten older and the world kind of slows a little bit and you kind of put things in perspective, I think. Well, I know. I don't think. I know a successful season has changed for me. I, you know, we didn't necessarily do everything we wanted to do last year with my son's senior year, but it was a successful season because it was a great group of kids. They got better as the season went along. Um, you know that it, it's a it's about that journey uh, along the way, and you know, last year we were lucky lucky enough to win a national tournament in Florida for the world shutdown which which is kind of scary when we look back at it like you know we were in Orlando and at Disney World like in December and the world shut down two and a half months later and we're walking around an amusement park but um but they still talk about you know that trip and the things that happened in that trip and the experiences they had so I think you know like I said early in my career I would have said a successful season's a winning one um, but that is the, and, and I'm being brutally honest with that. And I, there's probably young coaches listening to this that think the same way, but it's, it's the impact that you make. It's when they come back, uh, that I think when you get older is going to be what, what truly is a successful season. Now, the hard part is we're all trying to keep our jobs and, has right. uh, been a trickle down effect from the pros to collegiate to high school, which I think is, not great for high school athletics because it's still high school education-based athletics i think it's the purest game we teach um and i think a lot of people are treating it like you know i would make more working at the convenience store you know a quarter of a mile from here than i do coaching mm. I don't do it for the money and i think sometimes people forget that i do it to to make the impact on those kids
1: right especially when you're coaching High school. I mean, college. I'm sure pro coaches they can make a lot of money. Right. Um, High school, it's a stipend.
0: (laughs) At at the best, it's a stipend. At the best. And And the funny and the and the funny part about it is, um, there's a lot of college coaches that don't that make make less than I do teaching. Like they're also doing it for the love. Those D3 guys do not make a lot of a lot of them don't make a lot of money. So, um, they're also doing it for the love of the game, just like we are at the high school level.
1: How would you say coaching has changed over the years? Would you say that kids are, have changed over the years or they same that they've always been?
0: Uh, I'll quote Bobby Knight. uh, Kids haven't changed. Parents have. Um, I think kids in 30 years have not changed. Uh, I think there's a, a bit more of entitlement than there was probably 30 years ago, or at least when I played. Um, because all these parents are spending all this money to do all this basketball during the non season and then expecting things at the end. Um, and so I think that's probably, I, I mean, there's obviously been some logistical changes, you know, when I graduated from college, I think it was sophomore year in college is when the three point line came in. So, I mean, there's been some logistical things and, you know, in Wisconsin we play halves rather than quarters. Some people play shot clock. Some people don't. Um So there's been some shifts in that uh, kind of moving along, but uh, no, I don't, I don't, kids are kids. I mean, anybody that's ever taught for, for any length of time, I mean, that literally it's the one thing that I miss because right now we were talking before we came on air that I'm hundred percent virtual teaching right now if I was having to do virtual my entire career, I wouldn't do it. There's an energy with kids that hasn't changed at all. It's like, it's like a life force. If you ever watch the movie cocoon? Literally no. when you walk in, when you walk into a, uh, a school, there's a, there's a life force. that's unbelievable. And I think the way that those kids that obviously they have different things and I did they, they didn't have cell phones and those kind of things 30, 40 years ago. But, um, they haven't changed at all kids are kids are exactly the same thing they want direction they want leadership they want those things to to learn how the world because they're trying to figure out their world um i'm married to a psychologist but that's what they're trying to figure out where their place is what where they fit what their long-term play is going to be all those things so um no i would say kids haven't changed at all how do you
1: deal with parents who have troubles with their kids playing time or with your own decisions coaching?
0: Uh, so this has gotten easier as I've gotten older, because um, because you've
1: been there longer. You think
0: I've been there longer and I've been successful. So I don't tend to deal with the problems I used to deal with. Mm-hmm. However, um, it's hard. So there's a couple things. First of all, it's hard to be rational with an irrational person. And most parents are not rational when it comes to their kids. I'm not rational when it comes to my kids. And coaching my son was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life because I wanted to be as unbiased as I could be. Um, Luckily I had great assistant coaches around me kind of telling me one way or another because sometimes I'd go the not play way and I should be playing him more and vice versa. so it's hard. I think as a young coach, you have to think about it's hard because a lot of young coaches don't have kids and they don't realize that love and that like mama bear. I'd rather I'd rather eat you than let let something happen to my kids, kind of that mama bear thing. Um, so you have to kind of have some empathy and try to put yourself in their shoes, which has made it a lot easier for me. Um Sometimes they just need to vent. Sometimes they just need to talk. Um, and I I tend to have a cooling off period after a tough decision or if something happens after, you know, like, well, I'm more than willing to talk, but we, we everyone's got to cool down before we have a, a, a an adult conversation. But um, I think it's important to remember that they're not rational. No one's rational about their own kids. Um, and coaches are looking at all the kids you know and and uh, uh, another analogy that I've often used, is, especially when you're the the varsity coach at a high school you're basically running a talented and gifted program for basketball players. It's no different than kids taking calculus class it's a talented and gifted kids for they're really good at math or you know maybe t- teach an AP world the social studies. so those are talented and they're they're, they're very good at that specific thing well, I run a talented and gifted program for, um, basketball players and, and, um, and I'm going to play who I, I mean, again, parents are thinking their kid, I'm thinking all of them, I'm going to play the best kids cause I want to win and I, I'm, we're trying to to try to be successful, but I also want to make them all better. You know, obviously they're talented if they're on my team. Um, but you can't play 15 kids in a basketball game. It's just not going to work. So, um, I think, you know, just kind of circling back and talking about those things. And I think the communication part is really big because um, a lot of times parents have not communicated with their teenagers, which I know how hard having a couple teenagers in the house that sometimes it is to communicate with them. So any kind of communication I'll have, I'll always have everyone, all the parties in the meeting because um, that tends to help a lot. Uh, the parents hear the kid. The kid hears the coach. The coach hears the parent. Everybody um, kind of hears what's going on. So I think those things are important.
1: What do you look for in a good assistant coach?
0: Um, I, I've i been very blessed. I've basically had two coaching staffs my entire career. Wow. Um, I look for someone that's loyal. Um, I look for someone that wants to learn. I look for someone that has empathy. I look... For specific tasks. Hey, everybody, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please subscribe, like, jump up and down. Tell us how, how great we are with uh, Basketball Coach Unplugged, uh, wherever you listen to him, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast, Castify. There's all sorts of them, Anchor. Um, anyway, uh, we would love those. We read every one of those. Um, also, go over and check out ttubes.com for coaches who want to get better. I'm challenging you right now. I, I would, first of all, challenge you there's not another membership site like ours where, you know, you, you you can ask my members. You call, you email. I will, I respond like that because this is my, this is my thing. I, lo- I love doing this. Um, also, go over and check out our other podcast, uh, High School Hoops with Jake and I once a week and teacher side gig. So especially for those teachers out there that are looking can hear other teachers that are doing similar things and, uh, keeping the, (laughs) keeping the lights on in their, in their houses. So let's head back to the podcast. So I didn't necessarily do this early in my career, but I basically have named them into three categories. I look for Yoda. Um, so anybody that's a star Wars fan, I'm looking for someone that's all knowing, um, that probably knows as much, if not more than me. Um, and can be, you know, Coach Morgan, if he's listening to this, he's older than me. Um, and sometimes that's good because sometimes, a you know, 15, 20 year difference can make it a, a huge thing as far as perspective goes. So I think, I think you have to have a Yoda. Um, I think you have to have a workhorse, which is basically like a graduate assistant that will do all the um, stuff that you necessarily don't want to do. Um, and that will be your basically, you know, like, like uh, you know, Nate's my workhorse. He basically is like my GA. He'll do everything when we go on a trip. He'll have the itinerary. He'll deal with the bus, all the administrative things. Um, also an X and O guy, and also loves a game and all that stuff. But um, and then I think you gotta have you know your I, I haven't really come up with a great name for this, but basically your your adversary. And it's and people think, well, why would you want an adversary? I don't want somebody that's necessarily not going to be loyal and those kind of things, but I want someone that's going to question what I'm going to do. Um, because I think what happens is you get into a pack and everyone starts thinking the same way, mm-hmm. like about a specific kid, about a specific offense. And you you, you start getting comfortable. It's like a family, you kind of get that rhythm and there's no outside perspective. Um, so I'm always looking for that, agitator, that questioner, um, that's still loyal and has empathy and all the other qualities that I want, but we'll like, why are you doing that? Like, why are we doing that? Like, and, um, I think if you find those three things in an assistant now, sometimes you can only have one assistant. Well, then you got to find somebody that maybe you're the Yoda and the head coach and they're the other two. Um, but I think for any good staff, those are the, those are the qualities you kind of need because i cuz the head coach is the captain of the ship like i'm deciding who gets in the lifeboats and who doesn't um but i think those four qualities you know the qualities of a head coach and then those other three qualities are what you should really be looking for in an uh, assistant um on top of you know obviously a good teacher and all those kind of things um
1: so i'm going to jump in here is So what's funny is that a lot of leaders, when they're looking for their staff, they may be looking for those first two. They may be looking for people that know more, um, that will do the grunge work. But when it comes to the agitator, that's, that's almost a detractor for them. And you feel like they miss out on something when they do that.
0: I do. I really do. I mean, cause I, th- I, I think there's, and he and and it's the right kind of agitator so um my ad right now was my assistant coach for the longest stretch and he was an agitator but he was he knew how to agitate me properly and he knew my personality and he knew how he could get his point across over time um which i think was really and you know my hats off to him he kind of figured my system out um and my personality flaws, so I think that's a, I think that's you know advantageous for him, but I think uh, yeah I don't think people like that. Um, I think change only happens through chaos. Um, our world after this, we, you know, this is going to date this podcast at some point, but we're in a world of pandemic right now. How people grocery shop is never going to be the same. How people shop is never going to be the same. How people travel is probably never going to be exactly the same because something happened, right? There was a, there was a conflict. Something got thrown into the equation that March 13th, no one was thinking was going to happen. Um, and I think it's the same thing with coaching. It's like, you got to do that. If 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 we weren't doing that, I would, I mean, we wouldn't be as successful as we have been because we'd be doing what we did 15 years ago um and in order to keep up with this game you got to change because the game changes and the players change and the coaching changes um the resources change the amount of resources out there now that are, are crazy in comparison to 30 years ago uh right. so i think that's you got to be willing you got to be willing to look in the mirror and and question your own coaching if you're going to if you're going to make a difference
1: it seems like the schools that i've been in have leaned towards not hiring teachers as coaches. I don't know why it is, but it seems like the tendency where I'm at has tended to be, they find somebody in the community that played basketball when they were a kid and they just choose them and they don't necessarily have teeth teacher preference. Do you think there should be a teacher preference when choosing coaches at the high school level?
0: I do. Um, I think there's a couple issues. It's similar to the official issue. I think, I don't think a lot of people are going into the coaching profession, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, because it's a 365 24 seven job. And like we were teasing before I came on, I'd probably make more at working at the convenience store than I do coaching. It's a stipend. Um, so it's it, for the amount of headaches, the amount of time away from my family, the way my family's had to sacrifice for me to be able to do this. Um, people just say it's not worth it um so i think finding coaches is harder um i think the teaching we could do a whole podcast on the teaching profession and um how <laughs> how the teaching profession in my opinion undervalued and is not more va- i i thought maybe this pandemic would make it more valued and i'm not sure it has um so i don't think i don't think um as many kids are going into teaching as they were 20 years ago i i um I used to ask, I still do, but I asked my classes, you know, who wants to become a teacher? And if, when I asked that question 15 years ago, I'd see 10 hands go up in a Mm -hmm. class, five hands. I see no hands go up right now. None. Like, so the issue is we're going to have a shortage of teachers, which is a result of shortage of coaches. So I think that's part of it. I personally think that being a coach teacher is the best equation. Cause it goes into building relationships. It goes into building all the things that you need to be a great coach. X isn't, you know, it's, it's the pro the, the X's and O's aren't going to win you the game. It's going to be those relationships are going to win you the games in the long haul. And, and I can build those easier in my room at lunch or in the summer in the gym or walking in the hallways and teasing them. Um, than I can if I have, if I come in at four o'clock and teach them, coach them for a couple hours. So um, yes, I think it's a problem. I'm not sure there's a solution to it or I haven't really put that much thought into the solution, but um, yes, I think it's, it's definitely a pattern I have seen over the last 15, 20 years.
1: So as I watch, you know, pretty much any game, it seems that, more players are complaining more about referees. Seems that more coaches are complaining more about referees. And I don't quite understand it. I know that it slows the games down. Um, and I, I know I was, even in football, I was watching football yesterday, and this particular coach on this NFL team was just arguing every call, and it was literally holding up the game, 5 to 10 minutes and there was nothing that was going to change and I didn't see anything that gave him the uh license to do what he was doing but do you think that referees play such an important role of wins and
0: losses That's a great question. So, um first of all, I think we're going to have a we're talking about shortages. I think we're going to have an official shortage. Um I think the people that are playing right now um are having are finding out that officials are older and a lot of them aren't willing to maybe put their health at risk to officiate a basketball game Hmm. um yes i think officials are are we can't have the game without officials um unless i guess we get an, an an ai robot to eventually do it or something but uh yeah i i think i used to think officials had a bigger influence on the game and as i've gotten older i think they have a smaller they some of them do obviously um i i all i ever look for is consistency there's two things first of all communi- you better communicate with me because i'm going to communicate with my kids i am part of the game i'm part of the process so all i expect from an official is you know is talk to me just talk to me, say, tell me what you saw. And then we're done. Um, It's the ones that don't talk to me that think they're bigger than the game. um, That that that's where I'll have some conflict. But um, as I've gotten older, I think it's gotten less and less. Um, I do think it's trickled down to the collegiate game after watching college basketball yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, From the NBA, it seems like a lot of complaining in the NBA. And that seems like there always seems to be a trickle down effect which worries me that it's going to trickle all the way down to middle to, you know, middle school, high school kind of thing. Um, so I think that's where going back to what we've been talking about with leadership. I think that's where it's got to start with the coach. If you're complaining with the officials all the time, your kids are going to do the same thing.
1: How do you institute leadership into your students?
0: I think it's like, it's like, it's like anything you have to tell them what, what you expect from them and what a leader does um, and when they don't do it, you, you show them the proper way. There's nothing that irritates me more than, you know, you got to work harder in practice. Well, what does that mean? You know, then you have to explain to them and show them what you mean by working harder in practice. And it's the same thing with leadership. You have to show them the specific things that a leader does, um, a good leader at least. Um, cause Anyway, we have seen bad leaders. We know bad leaders. Um, we've worked with bad leaders. Um, most people probably listening to this have have had at some point in their life had a bad leader in front of them. So they know what bad is, but do they necessarily know what good is? So you have to show them what a good leader will actually look like. And how would you define what is a leader? Okay, so I think I was quoted in um, I was quoted in the paper recently talking about like our state wisconsin some of the some of the um some of the teams are playing and some of the teams are not playing and um i think the direct quote from me was leaders not only worry about themselves but worry about others um and and i and i've I, i've tried to teach that to my two kids that live in this house with me um i think a great leader shows empathy i think a great leader listens um, I think a great leader has concern. A great leader is willing to make decisions. Um, but in the, in the end, you know, a great leader is not only about themselves. Um, and you know, I, 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 I love, I love history. I love reading about different things and, um, you know, I, I, if I could pick a leader that I could talk about the people that would know that are listening to this, if you, I and I'm, and I'm about halfway through uh, president Obama's book right now. Um, just a man who could listen, who could, who could have empathy, who could try to pull opposite sides of the world together and being in a category as a black male in the U S um, was able to do it that will be will i think two hundred years from now be historical um i th- obviously being the first black president will obviously make it historical but i think um there will be there will be there will be statues of him at some point um maybe not in our lifetimes but in the future and 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 it goes back to what does a leader entail it it entails all of those things um
1: what encouragement do you have as we wrap up the podcast for those leaders listening in this time?
0: Um, I'll quote my grandma actions speak louder than words. Hmm. Um, I think if you want to be a leader, um, you have to use your voice and, um, and you have to use your voice for people that cannot be heard. Um It's easy to sit in my comfortable house, um, my comfortable life and not use my voice. Um, I have irritated numerous people over probably the last six weeks on Twitter and other places using my voice to talk about things that I think are important. Um, and it is what it is. Like, I think that's part of our lives that we have to do that. We have to... We have to speak for those that cannot be spoken for or are not being heard. And I think um, that's what leaders do. And they don't worry about the end game. They worry about the current game. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial as we talk. Subscribe, like, Jump up and down. Do whatever you got to do. Those Apple podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?